5510. It's time for The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Once again, the final score, Oklahoma 77, Texas A&M nothing. We'll be back with some final comments right after these messages. And by the way, was he taking some, was he actually taking some bows afterwards for being humane? I mean, come on. This was a graceless act on the part of the Oklahoma football team. That's all there is to it. And and I don't want to hear how long he left this guy in there. There is a way that the game doesn't have to end up 77 nothing. And by the way, don't tell me that the Texas A&M kids were acting classless. That, that is not an issue here, okay? Just because they acted that way, the rest of the team didn't deserve this. When I say Mike Lupica, I'd say about eh, 95% of you know exactly what I'm talking about from what game. 20 years ago today, Mike Lupica got real mad. He got big upset because, oh, you beat Texas A&M 77 to nothing. And Travis, they led Texas A&M 77 to nothing late in the third quarter. It wasn't like they were punching in touchdowns late for it to get to 77 nothing. Uh, OU could have scored 100 points that day if they wanted to. Yeah, that's the important context, right, is they were merciful as 77-point winners. Merciful, Tyler. I mean, but that voice, man, right? I didn't know you were going to play that clip. Man, I just smiled. Like, right when I heard, I, right when I heard that first couple those first couple words i'm like oh man i love this clip so good pull by you brother yeah uh 20 years to go 20 years ago today what a day that was in uh in norman that was the so OU had that big win over oklahoma state in 2003 where you know released a lot of frustration after losing to him back to back years some thought that oh it's gonna be a big emotional letdown for OU the week after the bedlam win no 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 OU won 77 nothing OU had 639 total yards to A&M's 54. OU had 33 first downs to A&M's 3. OU had 342 rushing yards to A&M's 22. And OU had 297 passing yards to A&M's 32. 54 total yards for A&M. OU had almost 600 more yards than the Yaggies that day. And that's um, as we are closing out a certain chapter of the Big 12 that's got to be the most embarrassing loss the Big 12's ever seen, right? Like, by points margin, yes, but getting beat 77 nothing. there's been some embarrassing losses. Texas losing to Kansas. I'm sure some OU games might come to mind for some people, but, you know, the fact that OU could have scored 100 that day, that's, that's, that's pretty humiliating. It's got to be the worst loss in Big 12 history. Well, it's just, it, like, it's one thing to lose to a bad team, like Texas losing to Kansas. Like, they didn't get their doors blown off by Kansas. Like, when you get beat 77 nothing, it's it's just complete ineptitude. It's You can't do anything. They have broke your will. I mean, something like that is far more just demeaning, destructive. 
I mean, we've got people on the text line. Obviously, the standards are different, so don't 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 jump me text line. But we got people on the text line saying it's rock bottom right now, and we've lost two games by what a total of you know seven points or whatever, and they they got beat seventy seven to nothing, Tyler. Mm. I, I mean. Imagine forty-nine. Nothing was as bad as I've ever felt from College Station, Houston, wherever. Forty-nine. Nothing is is the worst pain I felt. Yeah, you know, sucks. as far as just a, we can't do anything about it. They're just going to do whatever they want. But we were without a quarterback. Like, I get it. But I mean, seventy-seven to nothing. There's just, I I just can't even imagine it. Yeah, um, A&M fans uh, don't have to imagine it. They know exactly how it felt that day 20 years ago today. Fair point, Cherokee Sooner. Says the most embarrassing Big 12 loss is losing Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. <laughs> Some truth behind that one. A&M uh, did not run a play in OU territory, says a texter in the 918. Big Rich and OKC probably can't read what you just said about Mike Lupica, but just know that I do agree with it. Greg from Lawton said Lupica started the woke movement. Um, yeah, Mike Lupica taking some arrows right now on the uh, on the text line. Mike Lupica is still a hack, says a text turn from the 918. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a, not a great moment. Uh, not a great moment for him, that's for sure. 918, no. a destruction like that is usually based on turnover, special teams, and defensive scores. The wildest stat of the game, A&M only had one turnover, which happened at 70 to nothing. Yikes. One turnover Ugh. and you still got beat that bad. That is, uh, that's rough. Hey, uh, a, a big topic right now, and it was a topic for us on the post game show on Saturday. But some want to say, forget it, man. The season's over. You're not playing for anything. Let's focus on the SEC. Let's make sure we're prepared for the SEC and just put Jackson Arnold at quarterback. Now, I don't think that when we could talk about that, Jackson Arnold's not going to be your starter on Saturday. Dylan Gabriel is going to be your starting or your starter on Saturday, but does the role of Jackson Arnold change at all down the final three games the rest of the season? What, what does it look like for for JFA down down the stretch here? I mean, if the if the you know if, if the scenario allows for it, like if you if you get up in these last three games, I think you pull him in quicker, so you get up two scores or something like that, like. Where the game is somewhat in hand, but you know, there's still he still has to go out and perform with a little bit of pressure on him. He still has to throw the ball. You know, you're not just running into the back of your line of scrimmage and running the clock out type situation. Like, but I, I just Tyler, we talked about this on the post game show, and I know that you know in the post game you're you know emotional, right? I still think it's a bad look to basically prioritize next year's team already. Well, you got dudes on this roster that are still fighting for, you know, fighting for. This is the, maybe they won't play NFL ball. Maybe this is all the time they have left in college football. Maybe this is, you know, or maybe they're fighting for that draft grade. Maybe they're doing this, that, and the other. If you, if you signal to them that next year's or development of Jackson Arnold is a higher priority than finishing this year strong, then I think you. I think that's really risky in a locker room. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And again, like I, I disagree with the premise that the season is over. Mathematically, it's it's not over, and there's a couple of avenues here uh, to play for a Big 12 championship, New Year's Six Bowl game. It's still out there. This team's got to go 3-0 first. I understand that. I get that. But mathematically, the season's not over just yet. 
I just I, I, I disagree with the thought that, all right, final three games, let's just start Jackson Arnold getting ready for the SEC. Dylan Gabriel hasn't been the main problem. He hasn't been necessarily great the past two weeks, but all things considered, he was still pretty good on Saturday. Dylan Gabriel falls down the list for me as reasons why they've lost the last two games. I mean, he wasn't great with that pick six against KU, but again, there's other issues to point to as to why they've lost the past two games. It really makes no sense to me. If you want to mix JFA in a little bit more, I mean, even that, if it's going to be close games down the stretch, I don't know if I'm crazy about it. Just more than anything, Travis, and here's the main point, it seems very anti-Brent Venables in the way that he goes about things, whether you agree with it or not, just to say, all right, let's just start getting ready for next year. We'll put the backup quarterback in. That just that does not that doesn't seem like yeah. a preventable thing to do. No, it really doesn't. And like I said, that that's the kind of stuff. I think that's the kind of stuff that hurts you in portal recruiting significantly. Keep in mind, we're going to have to get some defensive linemen in the portal. I mean, yes, we've got a stud class coming in, but those guys are young. We're losing a ton, and I think we've only got what Grayson Holton and Kelvin Gilliam as far as interior guys that are coming back. So when you start to do that. It's like, say say you shut it down, right? And and by shut it down, I mean say you pull Dylan and you and you want to get reps to Dylan Gabriel. What you're telling all those one year guys that you could plug in next year that if the season isn't going how you'd like, you're just gonna you're just gonna throw away the season, and that could have catastrophic uh, results. Nine one eight, yeah, guys, let's get Jackson Arnold ready for the SEC by putting him in against West Virginia. BYU and TCU. That will get him ready for Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU at ten- in Tennessee. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a good point, but it, any reps, any P five reps are going to be valuable for Jackson Arnold. It's just a, it's just sure. as simple as that. So we're not saying that those teams that we're playing are you know to that level, but if we were to put in or if they were to put in Jackson Arnold. They still would be quality reps against P5 talent. Five eight not SEC talent. Sure. 580, does JFA lose a red shirt if he plays any more this year, or does that even matter? He'll be off to the NFL in three years either way. He's played in four games, I believe, up to this point. So if he plays another game, yeah, the, the red shirt. I mean, he could red shirt at any point in his career, but he won't have that red shirt season for this year. Does that even matter? Well, the staff has told me that it doesn't from the beginning, Travis. They, they don't right. worry about that. And, and apparently that was something that was discussed, like, internally in the preseason. Like, Jackson isn't redshirting this year. Like, just get that out of your mind. And, Tyler, the idea of redshirting is it's just not for some guys, right? It's, it like, the guys that are going to be gone in three or four years, like, redshirts only get you that fifth year, right? Well, Jackson Arnold's not going to be a guy that's in college for five years. Right, if things go as we expect them to go, yeah, I'd be surprised. Peyton Bowen's not going to be a guy that's in college for five years, right? Like when you, when you start going down the list, like these these guys are not guys that you're going to need to be like, oh, thank God we redshirted him that freshman year instead of played him, so now he can come back. Like it's just not the case. I mean, and that's and that's true, kind of all over the country with these top end guys. That when you're talking about five stars. When you're talking about highly, highly, highly ranked and coveted players that have NFL futures, it's kind of probably it's best to just kind of forget about the red shirt. Santa John says uh, this is a longer text, so uh, bear with me here. I'm going to say this one time and one time only, and then all caps. It says it's time for Jackson Arnold. Please read my reasoning 
as it has little to do with DG, good or bad. One, we already have two losses. Two, we're not going to the college football playoff. Three, we are still mathematically eligible for the Big 12 championship. Four, DG will not win the Heisman, so padding his stats is not necessary. Five, we only have three remaining conference games. Six, JA has little PT. Seven, we're going to the SEC next year. Eight, Jackson Arnold needs meaningful snaps this year in preparation for this move. Nine, DG would be on the sideline should Jackson Arnold struggle. Ten, DG has had his shot. Finally, I'd like to see Levy's offense with Jackson Arnold under center prior to the decision whether or not to retain Jeff Levy. That, that was a lot there. What do, you, what do you think about Santa John's text? Well, that's a lot to unpack. First and foremost, I appreciate the long text. I know a lot of thought went into it. Uh, uh, those thumbs were going crazy, as I can see on my computer screen here. Um, on, on the first side of it, you know, the we already have two losses. We're not going to the CFP. Okay, like I said, you're telling that entire locker room that um, since you're not going to the playoff and you've had these two losses, that um, that let's just throw away the season and see what we've got at quarterback. So um, I, I, I get that. Um, no, DG will not win the Heisman. Okay, I get that. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't think. And then the last point, obviously, I'd like to see Levy's offense with Jackson Arnold. I mean – it may not even be a situation where we have the choice to retain Jeff Levy. He might go take a head coaching job anyways. And I know, you know, the text line is going to go insane with that. Jeff Levy can't be a head coach, blah, blah, blah. It's time to accept it now. Jeff Levy is going to be a head coach in college football eventually. Like, and I know that that's, that, that's wild to some people, but he's had interviews in the past. He's going to have interviews this off season. It just is what it is. So, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I I'm just not a fan, and I get where he's going with it, but I just I'm just not a fan of I don't telling your whole uh, telling your whole locker room that hey season's over. You guys go ahead and pack it in. We're going to go to the true freshman. But why does it just stop with Jackson Arnold? And I understand right. that the you know it's the quarterback position. It's the most important position on the field. But if you feel that Jackson Arnold needs to be you know prepared for the SEC, then why why aren't you saying let's not play guys like Reggie Pearson? Let's not play guys like Key Lawrence. Let's let's let the entire freshman class get ready for the SEC next year. How about, how about I mean, this? I don't know. I how don't, about this? I just don't. I don't understand. How about this, Tyler? Anybody who wants to, uh, you know, say bench Dylan, we need to see what these guys are ready for next year. Bench Drake Stoops. It's his last year. Nobody wants to do that. I bet. Ben, bench Drake Stoops. If if you if you want to, if you really want to see what you have with the SEC or what you have with the roster going into the SEC and you want to give these young guys a chance, then instead of typing Bench DG and play Jackson, I want you to type out Bench Drake Stoops because you can go along the same thought process to get there. I mean, so if you're not willing to say Bench Drake Stoops, then don't say you're willing to bench Dylan Gabriel. Again, if you had lost your past two games because Dylan Gabriel's thrown a combined eight interception in those, in those games and he hadn't played well, let's, let's have a conversation. He's had two interceptions and... One was for a pick six early in the game. One was on a deep throw down the field. But Dylan Gabriel also had some very nice moments in that Oklahoma State game. He is not the main reason why this team lost the last two games. So you're just going to throw him to the side just to get ready for next year? At the cost, Travis, of not putting your team in the best situation to win the final three games? And I know some say, well, he can make all the throws. Does Jackson Arnold have a stronger arm than Dylan Gabriel? Yeah, I... That's definitely going to be the case towards the end of his career, and I think that's probably the case right now. Like, the ceiling is higher with 
Jackson Arnold, sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best option for this offense at this given moment. I just I don't I don't believe in just throwing someone else in just to get him experience at the cost of not putting your team in the best situation to win down the stretch. That's just I, I don't I don't understand that logic to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and, and, and really, and like I, even if you were to start Jackson Arnold on Saturday, okay, even if you were to do that, does that necessarily guarantee that he's going to have three or more completions in a game against LSU? Like I I do value him getting experience this year. But how can that really be measured when you're starting to look at next year? Like, how does that? How much does that really mean in the grand scheme of things? Right, and and, and that's the thing. You put him in there, and that's why I do think you can have it both ways, Tyler. I think you can have it both ways. I think you play if you play well enough, and I think if we figured out the run game, and I do think that say this week, like West Virginia is a good running team, but I th- our defense has been really good against the run, and they were really good against Ollie Gordon uh, comparative to the rest of his stats. That's the nation's leading rusher that you just held to his worst game of the year, and like you can if say you play well against West Virginia. Then once you get up 14 and it's in the second half, put Jackson Arnold in. Like, you can still put him in situations without completely throwing away the season. You know what I mean? And, 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 and that's no disrespect to Jackson Arnold. And Tyler, we've talked about this all year. <clears throat> Whether it's Coke or Pepsi or Republican or Democrat or Target Walmart or hot, cold, it's everybody has to be hashtag team this or hashtag team that. Saying that you want Saying that you want Dylan Gabriel to play out the rest of the season does not mean that you think Jackson Arnold's a bum and you're throwing away the season. I think it's just the optics of it. Yeah. Uh, 405, how does how does playing the better player show they're giving up on the season? It shows there is competition in the best player's play. Y'all aren't getting this at all, LOL. How do you know that Jackson Arnold's a better player than Dylan Gabriel? Right. There's this, no this guy evi- was on Heisman list like two weeks ago. I don't... Yeah, th- there's no evidence of this. And, and, and that's the problem. Does... Does Jackson have more arm talent? Yes, I, I believe that to be true. Same, I think he's yeah, more ta- same. I think he's more talented than Dylan Gabriel. But d- does he give you the best chance to win? I don't know. I I, I I I can't say that. And and that's the thing. We've seen others. I mean, we've seen Walter Rouse get pulled. We've seen Savion Bird get pulled. We've seen senior, like not not quite literally the term senior, but um, more senior players get pulled for younger guys just in hopes to win, in hopes to figure something out. If this team's undefeated with Jackson Arnold, I think Jackson Arnold probably would have played by now. Ty from Bartlesville like, says, yeah, yeah, go ahead, finish that point there. Like, but So that's the that's my problem is, you know, the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy, you know, on, on the team, and that's that. It's everybody thinks that Jackson Arnold would just come in and be better than Dylan Gabriel immediately. And the question is, if we were to play Jackson Arnold and you guys, you know, the people that want that to happen, if Jackson Arnold goes out there and stinks it up for three games and we lose all three games because he makes extremely freshman mistakes, costly errors, the defense is playing well, but it doesn't matter uh, because we're losing, I don't know, three to 13 and we're losing, we lose against TCU, you know, we get shut out or something like that. Like, how does that, how does that look? Does, is that a service? to Jackson Arnold? Does that mean Jackson Arnold is going to be better for that? I mean, I don't necessarily think he is. Yeah. And again, like I feel like we always have to say this. Like, we're not trying to sell you that Dylan Gabriel is one of the four or five best quarterbacks in college football. Not trying to do that. But is he their best option to win right now with this offense? I, I think that he is. I think that that's, that's the case right now. Um, like Ty from Bartlesville says, you guys can't just sit there and say that DG doesn't limit this offense because he does. 
I love DG and not trying to knock on him, but Levy's offense is limited with Dylan Gabriel. People say that, but give me some examples as to how Dylan Gabriel limits this offense. Because last week, yes, he throws an interception on a ball down the field. Yes, not every single deep ball has been right on the money. But there was a deep ball last week, Travis, that was right on the money, and it hit right off Nick Anderson's hands, and it's probably a touchdown if it's caught. So the guy isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he's still thrown the deep ball a lot of times this year. He's been good with the deep ball down the field. And if Nick Anderson yeah. just makes a play, if Gavin Freeman early on catches a ball on the slant route over the middle, if Drake Stoops doesn't get tackled in the end zone, like I just I, I don't I guess I just don't buy into that he severely limits this offense. I don't I, I don't buy into that. I mean he uh, he might limit it from a can't make every single throw from zero or I guess negative five with this offense from negative five to sixty five. You know what I mean? Like I get it, but a not a lot of quarterbacks can. But B, while he might limit it from that perspective physically, Jackson Arnold, as a true freshman, limits it mentally. Like, so much of the quarterback position is, like, look, look, Davis Bevel can make all the throws, but can he see the defense? Can he read the defense? This, that, and the other. Like, it's, you've got to read different coverages. You've got to run the RPO. There's so much going into it that true freshman Jackson Arnold quite frankly just isn't there yet and that's okay because he's a true freshman like there's it's i don't know where you know where the wires got crossed over the years i don't know if it was trevor lawrence or if it was jamel holloway for some i don't know what it was where it was like true freshman he's a five-star you got to get him on the field because he's immediately going to be better than whatever you have 405-651-3439 oh boy this is the conversation that uh, really gets it going on the knippelmeyer chevrolet text line we'll get to more of those more ou football next right here on the ref Sound off any time of day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet in Blanchard, USA. Sticks. The legacy continues. Sticks. November 9th, Apache Casino Hotel, Lawton, Oklahoma. With one hit song after another. Reserve seats on sale now at Casino Cage or online at ApacheCasinoHotel.com. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Travis is at Andy B's in Tulsa. What's going on at Andy B's up there in uh, T-Town with the new location just opening up in Oklahoma City this past Friday? Man, they've got their, uh, you know, they did the Nightmare on Andy B Street pop-up bar uh, for a lot of their events. That was a success. Now they've got that event room turned into uh, a Whoville-type situation. Uh, and, and if you want to book your holiday party there, you go to bowlandybees.com backslash Tulsa, or you can call 918-299-9494 to book those events. And so they've got a lot of stuff coming up for the Christmas. Uh, it, I was told that it will look like uh, like the Grinch threw up all over Andy B's. So I'm not sure whether Washington that's good players thing. running all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So um, I'm not sure if they will have the actual real life Grinch here. I know he he's not he doesn't have anything on the schedule, um, but 
Uh, we'll see. But Andy B's obviously on Wednesdays. Their big thing is service industry night, 7 p.m. to close every Wednesday. $7 unlimited bowling, and uh, they've got the beer and food specials. So uh, awesome stuff going on at Andy B's. Couldn't be happier for this partnership. Is this Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold topic the biggest debate within the fan base right now? Text line well, is leading me to believe that it is. Well, it it it's interesting because I feel like it's like, it's a leg of the like if, if if it were a table, it would be one of the legs of the Jeff Levy argument over the like the tabletop is the Jeff Levy debate, right? You know, do you do you want to retain him? Does he take another head coaching job? Is he going to get a head, another head coaching job? You know, if you retain him, you know, what does it look like from a play calling perspective? Do, do we give him opportunity to grow? Do we give him opportunity with Jackson Arnold? Do we give him opportunity with some of his own recruits as opposed to, you know, maybe maybe piecing together some things? Obviously, he brought in Dylan, but you get what I mean. Like, and but but the offshoots of that are are like the legs of the table. It's the Jackson versus Dylan argument. It's the it's the run game argument, you know, whether it's Gavin Sawchuk or J- Tawi Walker, Javante Barnes, blah blah blah. It's the pace argument, right? It's are we, you know, should we go up tempo? Should we not go up tempo? It's the, you know, the the, the jet sweep argument. Like it, everything derives I think from the Jeff Levy problem. Yeah, probably. I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. 918, we dump on kids that quit playing for NFL prep. We can't quit on a player. I think that's a pretty good text. We hate guys that uh, opt out of bowl games or the NC State quarterback who said, yeah, I'm just going to redshirt the rest of the year. Yeah, I know I've played the past four games, but I'm just going to redshirt the rest of the year. We don't love that as college football fans, but now it's uh, – I just throw in the freshman just to get him ready for next year. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's – it's funny because what if – I mean, what if you throw him in there, like I said, and he looks like a freshman? What have you learned? Like, oh, he got better and you lost some games? Cool. We got a text from North Carolina, the 704, says, take it from a Clemson fan. The backup is the backup quarterback isn't always what you think he's going to be. Sounds like a lot of OU fans may be counting unhatched eggs here. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, what, what do you do if you start him and he's – not as good as the option that you had before. Just, just say, oh, okay, well, we were wrong. Let's throw Dylan Gabriel back in. What? Well, I think at that point you've just got to keep Jackson in because there's no way you can turn to Dylan and be like, hi, uh, you remember when we benched you for really nothing um, and, and threw away your last uh, bit of your college career to see what we had in your backup? Um, yeah, forget about all that. We need, you, uh, we need you to start again, which Dylan Gabriel, the consummate prof- professional guy, I'm sure he would just say, "Okay, cool, let's let's do this." But I also think I, I think I mean this conversation is interesting because I do think Jackson Arnold's going to be really, really. Oh, good. I do too. But, but yeah, but the that... Clemson, you know, the Clemson text is is a is, it's a good text. I mean, just because Jackson Arnold's going to be really good in the future, which I agree with you, he will be, doesn't mean that he needs to start the final three games. Like that's it's not how that has to work. Like Broken Arrow Fat Boy wants Jackson Arnold to play right now. Says there's a lot of ifs in your scenario. What if he goes out and lights it up? Well, Broken Arrow Fat Boy is saying that there's a lot of ifs in our scenario. I would say that there's way more ifs in his scenario. His if is a freshman quarterback who's never started a game going out and completely lighting it up. Like I, that's that's where that's the real risk of the scenario here is the Jackson Arnold side of things, especially yeah. again with mathematically, like you got to finish three. You know, you're two losses away from playing in a Big Twelve championship, so it's not like it's zero like one percent or anything that you're playing for a conference championship yeah and and you know what he might go in and light it up but does he 
I mean, does he hit Nick Anderson in the hands? Yes, he I did. Mean, well, he did, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but Nick Anderson's got to catch it this time, right? Like, does he – is he still running, you know, Jeff Levy's offense? Are we going to do jet sweeps still and bubble screens? Like, what does lighting it up look like? I would contend that it looks like 70% completion percentage with 344 yards through the air, a touchdown, and then another, you know, rushing touchdown. That's that's what it would look like. But, oh, wait, that's what Dylan Gabriel just finished doing against OSU. So it's like the the lighting it up argument, I still think – despite like regardless of the results of putting Jackson Arnold on the field I think the messaging that you send to the program by saying hey Dylan appreciate you coming you know but you were a bit of a band-aid now we've got our guy uh we're gonna go ahead and turn to our guy like I think that has drastic implications in portal recruiting and high school recruiting for years to come Santa John says so you're willing to throw Jackson Arnold to the SEC defenses without ever taking a meaningful snap well you don't start the season next year with four SEC games. And I know that OU doesn't play some great non-conference schedule, but I think your three non-conference games are set. Uh, Well, you have four non-conference games. I think that main game is probably going to be in November. So Jackson Arnold's going to have three starts before he plays an SEC opponent next year. So it's not like he's going to face Alabama's defense his first start ever next year. Also, yes. I mean, I mean, yeah, like, it's okay if Jackson just starts next year. I mean, people have to start against somebody, right? Yep. There's there's quarterbacks in the SEC every year that it's their first time starting. Like this, Johnny Manziel's first start was against Florida right. in 2012. Right, exactly. Like, I, I, get the, I get the text, you know, you know, this SEC's coming, and we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. And I, and I know the fan base is in this, I mean, and the administration, the coaches, like, everybody's in this. Like, we got to hurry up and get ready for the SEC. we got to hurry up and get ready for the SEC. Okay. Okay, fine. But don't don't throw away this year. And I say throw away. Don't, don't make a move that is going to really spit in the face of all your seniors, all your transfer guys that came in for one last year to try and improve their draft stock, you know, your guys that will never play football again. Don't spit in their face in hopes to just – have a guy that's got a couple more reps under his belt going into the SEC. Because, like I said, Tyler, there have been SEC teams in the SEC for a long time. And guess what? A lot of them just start a quarterback for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, this is regular scheduled programming for a lot of college football teams. It's not just this weird, unique thing that we're going through. Uh, so many texts to get to here. Um, I, we could do just straight texts for the rest of the show today. <laughs> I think this yeah, they're is, on uh, fire, man. Great. The text line's been great, man. Yeah. Uh, Brooke says, I just want to win. I don't care who's on the field. 918, why is quarterback the one untouchable position where trying a new player means you can never go back to the original starter? Uh, quarterback isn't the one untouchable position, but he was the player two weeks ago that was like top four in the Heisman Trophy, and now you just want to just get rid of him, just throw him to the side. I, again, he hasn't he hasn't been the issue here, and a lot of people, well, I, not a lot of people, some people have been saying that he's got awful throwing the deep ball. Guys, they haven't thrown the deep ball all that much the past three weeks. When they've chosen to throw the deep to throw the deep ball consistently. The entire year shows me that they've actually Dylan Gabriel's been pretty good at throwing the deep ball. So I don't, I just he he's got limited arm strength, yes, but that doesn't mean that he sucks at throwing the deep ball. He he doesn't. Right. No, I, I mean I, I agree. I agree. It's you know could it be better? Sure, but could all kinds of things be better? Yes. Could the defensive line have played better over the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. Could we not have you know? 
15-yard penalties on top of 15-yard penalties? Yes. Could we not turn the ball over? Yes. Like, there's there's so many other things, and I think from that, just specifically speaking on that text, I think DG is, I mean, according to a lot of players, privately and publicly, D, it's DG's team. Like, DG is the leader of that team. This is not, you know, giving Dalen Smothers, you know, a chance. You know, this isn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's different when you do it with the quarterback that's a sixth-year guy that is the leader of the team. It's, it's just different. I, uh, I bet I can come up with the uh, only other topic of conversation around this team that could get more heated than this one. And it's probably the unity uniforms that will be worn on Saturday. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't the alternate uniform discussion always uh, get a reaction? Uh, I'm sure we'll bring that up later in the show. But those will be worn on Saturday. They will be worn on Saturday. Just like alternate uniforms have been worn, what, eight of the past nine games against West Virginia? Yeah, West Virginia has been the alternate uniform game for uh, for. O- have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Travis is at Andy B's in Tulsa, a location just opened up in OKC on Friday. So if you're in the OKC metro area, go check them out up here uh, or down here as well. Have you watched Jalen Milrow in Alabama recently, like in the past two weeks or so? Uh, not, not, not all too much. Why? Well, here's what Urban Meyer said about Alabama starting quarterback. Like, l- prepare yourself for this, okay? Because he's about to use two names to compare him that'll make you say, whoa. Urban Meyer on Jalen Milrow. Quote, right now the Reggie Bush, Percy Harvin of college football is playing quarterback at Alabama and they're running him. End quote. That's, uh, wow. I mean, that, <laughs> right? t- two of the two of the top ten most exciting, explosive players to play college football in the last few decades. Yeah, that's pretty lofty praise, man. And also a weird statement. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, Urban said some interesting things this year, right? He said Texas has the the best roster in all of college football, and that roster should have lost to Kansas State, maybe should have lost to Houston, did lose to Oklahoma. Um, Urban is kind of the hot take machine for college football these days, isn't he? How about that? Oh, man, he's, well, he's trying to he's trying to get his name back out there, you know, trying to get back coaching. Yeah. Win a few national championships, and he's uh, he's got all the hot takes out there. Uh, from the 918, Urban Meyer has uh, lost it, is what the text line says. I do have uh, PFF's highest-rated quarterbacks this season. I'm not using this, okay, to make my point about Dylan Gabriel. I'm just offering this up. I had it down in the rundown sheet anyway. The highest-rated quarterbacks this season in college football. Jaden Daniels at LSU is number one. It's not all that shocking. J.J. McCarthy at Michigan is number two. Bo Nix at Oregon is three. Michael Penix Jr. at Washington is four. Jackson Dart at Ole Miss is at five. Drake, wow. Drake May at North Carolina is sitting at number six. Carson Beck at Georgia at seven. Milrow at Bama is at eight. And then Drew Aller and Dylan Gabriel are tied at nine uh, with an 89.4 grade so far this year at quarterback. So PFF wow. says DG's a uh, top ten quarterback in the sport so far this year. Yep. Yep. Weird. Um, Jackson Arnold would be top three if he played. Oh, easily, easily, and I think that's what you know. That's what's so interesting to me. The 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 two arguments that 
I, I think make, make the most sense to me, specifically from the text line, um, was the texter that said, you know, we hate it when a player quits on his team near the end of the season to start training for the NFL, so now why would we do the same thing? I think that's a, that's a really solid point. Um, but then also um, the one about every, every team – that starts a new quarterback in the SEC is thrown to the SEC. So why are we acting like that it's some unique situation that we we need to have a guy that's a three- or four-year starter before our first year in the SEC? So I'll tell you what, man, banner day on the text line. They have, oh, yeah. They, I mean, they have been – they have been coming correct. Spence, on the we just got, we even just got a Spencer line. Sanders text out of nowhere, I think because I mentioned Jackson Darts. Man, you talk about someone that um, – yeah, that didn't work out well for him, did it? Didn't work you know, out well for him. OSU is, uh, thanks to that win, they're pulling some victory laps on people, man. You've got Mason Cobb out there at USC talking about not watching tape of the uh, of the Washington game and getting called out by former players. You've got, um, you know, obviously the coaches have been talking crap to Trace Ford. You know, you've got Spencer Sanders that's not seeing the field at Ole Miss. Like, OSU fans are, are, are taking some victory laps this week. Yeah, they are. Nine one eight. doesn't Dylan Gabriel have one more year of eligibility left? If he wants it, yeah. Um, we've just been kind of told since the start of the season that this is game, and, and not just like sources, like the head coach and the offensive coordinator essentially saying this is Gabriel's last year or talking like it's his last year, saying it's his last year, and that Jackson Arnold's going to be the starter in the SEC. So what happens to Gabriel next year? Is he going straight to the league? Is he going to try to play somewhere else for one final year? I, I, I would think he tries to enter in the draft, but this is a very – Heavy quarterback draft coming up this year. Yeah, I talked to you know because I'm not necessarily a big a big draft guy. That's that's you know I enjoy it obviously, but I rely on others when talking about player comps and things like that. But um, one of the guys, uh, national guys that I reached out to, said you know Dylan Gabriel right now he's got him pegged like early fourth round type of type of stock, which. I mean, at that point, I don't think Dylan Gabriel is going to be playing his way into the first round. No, he won't, I, th- yeah. I think he's shown everything he needs to show, and I also think he's going to be another year older, which scouts won't like if he comes back. He's got some injury history, you know, that, that scouts are aware of, right? Like, I, th- I still think, and I don't want to speak for him, but I, I personally think it, it sets up well for him to go into the draft after this season. Gabriel to the portal after the season, says a texter. OU Optimist says Washington Huskies. Sooner Soldier says DG can't be gone fast enough. Wow. How quickly your standing can change around here, man. I'll tell you what. Well, here's the thing, and that's what's funny. Just that statement of how quickly your standing can change. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. When's the last time that OU fans didn't want to fire a coordinator? Um, let me think about that over a break, and I'll let you know. Because I remember okay. Kevin Wilson not being popular towards the uh, end of his tenure as well. People are mad. I, at no, Long, I mean like so. even consecutively. Was everyone happy with Lincoln after fifteen and sixteen? Trying to think I back think, to that time. I think twenty twenty is is really the only one I can think of because it was that weird year where Grinch's defense had its best year that it's ever had. But then the next year, you know, we wanted Grinch fired. The next year we wanted Ted Roof fired. And I say we, I, I don't. And then this year we're trying to run Levy off. It's just, it's funny to me that, like, no matter what, 
we're we're ready to run them off. But yeah, think of think of some of them over break of some of the ones that people were ready to yeah. run off. 405-651-3439. You can help us out on the text line as well. We'll uh, more, we'll get more OU football next right here on the ref. Sound off any time of day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet in Blanchard, USA. Take a walk on the wild side with Brahms' new spicy pimento bacon cheeseburger. This bacon... ...are willing to go out there and take their time, their blood, and give me new life. Because of you, I'm allowed to see my son grow up. Giving equals living. Give blood. Replenish the supply. Learn more at hhs.gov slash giveblood. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. With custom signs and graphics from Fast Signs, you can say anything. Invite the world to discover that thing that makes your business unmistakably yours. Make your statement in lights or metal, on a van, across the windows. Make it unforgettable. Together, anything is possible. Bright ideas, brilliantly executed, can turn the mundane into the marvelous. Transforming your space begins at our place. Power your business visibility and make your statement with Fast Signs. Call Fast Signs of Norman, 405-701-2890. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you the sour of the rush. Tyler McComish, Travis Davidson. Travis, if Andy Bees wants to, um, tell them we'd be interested in a promotion. If you bowl a 300, you get to hop on the air and argue with the text line about which quarterback should play on Saturday. Just tell Andy Bees that they can have that. <laughs> I will let Rylan know that, uh, that that is now available. I don't know, you know. Hell, if you bowl a 75 at this point, I, we may do that. Yeah, the the text line, you know, you gotta you gotta get used to it. You know, you gotta. <laughs> my, I remember my first time. Luckily, my first day of radio was the day that General Booty visited. So the text line was just booty jokes all day. So yeah. uh, I got eased into it a little bit. But you know, it's you gotta uh, love it's not, you, you gotta not love for the weak at heart, man. No. Well, and, and it's just some of them. God, they're clever. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. it's just it's awesome, got some man. fantastic I texters. Love the text line. Love using it every single day. It's uh, it's it's awesome. Uh, Lincoln Riley is the last offensive coordinator that uh, people didn't want. I mean, really, the first thing I think in the fan base that he really did wrong was probably the squib kick when he was the head coach in 2017. And then he ran a speed option to the near side shortly after with the backup quarterback. Then he ran a couple jet sweeps in critical situations, and that's that's really where it all started. But leading up to that, it was it was all good for him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's don't want to get too revisionist on it. When Lincoln was OC, there's a reason he got the head coaching job. Um, but, but yeah, I was just thinking. I mean, what the, what's funny is, and I think we predicted this: the defense starts playing better, and you know that's BV man, BV's defense man. It's it's finally here. You see the young guys. You see, you know, all that. You don't hear Ted Roof's name very much. No, not when, anymore. When last year it wasn't Ted Ru- or it wasn't Brett Venables' defense that was uh, ranked 122nd or whatever, that was Ted Roof's defense. Actually, so, c- can I can I change my take there on Lincoln Riley because clearly he remembers uh, things were different th- than I do. Apparently, OU had elite defenses or that was the strength of the team. He said that yesterday. Yeah. So I clearly I was wrong about what was going on at OU because Lincoln was saying yesterday they were, the defense was the strength of the team while he was there. I think part of that is him just not understanding what a strong defense looks like because he's never yeah, coached one. Correct, so yes. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Oh, man, strength of the team right there. We'd stopped him twice, whole game. Jim and Casper says if we cash in 03, 04, 08, 2015, 2017, 2018, or 2019, just one of those, 
The fan base would probably have more patience. Not this staff's fault, but it is what it is. Uh, I think that there's probably some truth to that, uh, Jimmy Casper. Uh, Brandon from the 405, I never wanted Lincoln Riley fired as an offensive coordinator. This one said we ran off Josh Heupel for sure. Someone else said uh, we dang sure ran off a defensive coordinator after 2011, and he ended up winning a couple national championships at Clemson. (laughs) Precisely. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, I think there could be – not there could be. There's a little bit of truth to that. Uh, All right, final hour of The Rush coming up next. We'll get into this game against West Virginia and a whole lot more right here on The Ref.